Welcome to the Lead Defend Podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now, here are your hosts. Hey, this is Ryan and Brock. You're back with Lead Defend Podcast. We got Mark Clifton with us today. And Mark, you're the Executive Director of Replanting and Revitalization at the North American Mission Board. Is that right? That's right. That is what my job title okay. is today as of this hour. So we got a lot of country folks listening to this podcast. What is replanting exactly? Well, I'm a country folk. I live in a town of 442 people. That's that, where I pass. Hey, that's good. So that's true. So I come absolutely. from a town of about... 600. Do so, you? Yeah. Okay. We got a Dollar General uh, last Christmas. Hey, that, that that is a Christmas yeah, gift. We call it the mall. That, <laughs> so I love that. The mall. It's changed our life, actually. Uh, what was the question? I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> when, when you talk replanting, what, what are you talking about? Well, replanting, hey, look, uh, actually, truthfully, Southern Baptists realize the, that about 800 of our churches cease to exist every year. Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, we may plant we plant or get a thousand new affiliates, so about a, we, we gain a thousand churches every year. We maybe plant seven or eight hundred, and we get two or three hundred that actually join the Southern Baptist Convention. All right, mm-hmm. so we gain about a thousand a year, but we lose eight hundred a year. We've been doing that for decades, and frankly, most people just didn't pay any attention to those losses. We just kept planting new churches, hoping we can plant more than those that die. But about ten years ago. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention said, "Well, wait a minute. We got to put on the brakes here. We we got to figure out what's happening with 800 churches a year that cease to exist." And we realized that most of these churches that cease to exist were actually in communities that grew in population in the previous decade. Well, wow. um, 77% of them are in communities larger than 100,000 people. I mean, we're closing churches where we need churches, and so we realized that has to be addressed. So replanting are those churches that really. If things continue on their current trajectory, in three to five years, they'll be underwater. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean they'll be out of business, because it's an amazing thing. A lot of times, dying and declining churches have put a lot of money away. Sure. That's one of the reasons they're dying and declining. Mm-hmm. They're not using their money for ministry. They put it away. And so they can get to the point to where they can live off of their savings for a long period of time. Or some dear saint may pass away and leave a pretty good inheritance, or they may sell the parsonage or something like that. But that does, we call that life support. If you look at—we've got to look and see what is the church—how um, is it growing? How is it reaching people? How, how is it making a difference in the community? And if those things aren't happening, the church does not have a, much of a long lifespan left. Yeah. So if you jumped into this podcast thinking we were talking about agricultural replanting, you missed it. You, missed <laughs> you know, it. I have a T-shirt that says—we we all do it, or one of our thing. We say, uh, um, it, it's, we, it's sort of our theme of our, of our team, uh, preach, pray, love, and stay. That's how you yeah. replant a church. It says yeah. replant, preach, pray, love, and stay. I was in the airport recently, and I had that shirt on. This little lady came up to me, and she said, you know, I never thought about preaching to my plants. She said, I do pray for them, <laughs> and I do love them, and That's I do stay awesome. with them. That's awesome. I mean, she really thought it was like replanting your plants. Yeah. You know, you preach, pray, love, and yeah. stay. But anyway, so I, I digress. So when you guys were studying, you know, what, what, what is common among these, these dying churches? You mentioned, you know, the, the kind of pulling back of resources, keeping it rather than spending. What were some of the other things that oh, were common? Oh, it's a disconnecting from the community. Look, yeah. you know, individually, we don't drift toward holiness, right? We mm. have to yeah. work toward that. Churches don't drift toward being evangelistically engaged in their yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> they drift toward we take care of ourselves. And frankly, I'm I'm an older person, and when you get older, 
you, you actually, your needs actually increase. Um, you think older people, I used to think older people had it easy. Their houses are probably paid for. They get discounted coffee at McDonald's. You know, <laughs> their kids are gone. But the reality of it is older people are, have financial issues they worry about. They certainly have health issues. Yeah. Uh, their, their relationships are becoming frayed. Their, their spouses are becoming, sometimes they're caregivers for their spouses. Right. And so they have a tendency to sort of group together and take care of each other in those remaining yeah. years. Hmm. And they sort of forget the community and the neighborhood. It's too challenging. It's yeah. too hard. The worldview of the people who moved into their community is so different than their worldview that to try to figure out how to bridge that gap, it's just hard to do. Yeah. And so oftentimes they don't feel like they have the emotional bandwidth to do that. Yeah. And it's all we can do, frankly, just to keep this church open and try to stay together. Yeah. Now, that's not all they can do. They can do a whole lot more than yeah. that. But that's kind of what they think. Yeah. And so when a church disconnects from its community, that's when it begins to, to dry up and die. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of things that younger people love is being community, engaged in the community. So what are maybe some, some things these other churches in in Arkansas specifically or wherever else people are listening, what are ways that, that they can be appealing to to young adults? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the first church I replanted was a church in the urban area of Kansas City. Uh, we had 18 elderly people the first Sunday I was there in, in a sanctuary that seated 610. Wow. So it was a pretty exciting place to <laughs> preach. And uh, But over a long period of time, it, it, it didn't happen quickly, but over a long period of time, we began to realize that that young people really do enjoy hanging out with older people. Mm -hmm. They do. I don't think older people believe that, but it's absolutely true. And so we started having some classes where some of our older ladies would teach these younger ladies in our community how to fry chicken. Most of them really didn't know how (laughs) to. And there isn't a husband in the world that wouldn't love his wife to fry chicken. Absolutely. And I'm just being very blank frank about this. There's a lot of 20-some-year-old want women who really don't know how to fry chicken sure. in a pan in Greece on their stove yeah. and there's a lot of older widows that can do that with their eyes closed right oh, yeah. and so <laughs> my granny's one of them right so we would have these cooking classes in our church where you could learn to fry chicken wow. or you could learn to bake cakes or you could learn to make muffins and and it was really cool or quilting there's a lot of desire yeah. in young, young people to quilt. Young ladies, are, that's a big deal right yeah. now. And they give those older ladies, we had these quilting things, and they would come together. And then for older men, it was a great way for them to teach about how to, like, how to make homemade uh, lures, like fly fishing yes, lures and yep. things like that. Wow. Be creative and think of ways that older men and women can really – all these younger people, their grandparents aren't nearby. Maybe their parents weren't good relationships with them. So I think older churches don't realize they have an awful lot to offer. Yeah to a, a generation two or three times younger than they are. That's a good word. Let's say you've got young adults, um, and they're listening to this podcast right now, and they're like, man, aren't those issues for like my pastor to fix? Uh, how, what is their role in this whole revitalization replanting thing? Yeah. Well, no, I, I think their role is to really uh, help the pastor understand the culture and the community. I hmm. think to help him help him navigate that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you realize maybe if your pastor is above 50, how hard it is for him to navigate sure. even the way people communicate. I mean, he may just be on Facebook. He may not even know about Snapchat or, or Instagram or anything else. And so you're really going to have to help him understand how to navigate yeah. this and kind of walk him through that and be patient with him. So it's really your job to help him interpret that culture in a very, very real way. Yeah. You've You've talked about how rural areas are set to grow again. Yeah. I, I've recently seen you tweet some things about yeah. that. Um, let's say you're talking to a college student, planning out their future, planning out their career, and they're looking and they're like, I may move back to a rural area. Sure. Uh, 
as you encourage them to get connected to a church, what can their role be in helping a church move forward? It's a great question. Uh, You're going to see more and more people live in rural areas because the cost of living in the urban area is so high. And, um, you know, just recently, uh, the top 10 urban areas in the United States in the last 36 months have lost 2 million people. Wow. People are leaving the urban core. It's not the place that people want to go to anymore. And part of it is not only working remotely, which, and basically a lot of young people, they don't really, they're not, they're not thinking of going to a job and working 40 years at a factory. Sure. They're just going to, whatever I can do right now to make mm-hmm. money, right? It can move around. And also shopping. You know, it used to be I wouldn't live out in the boonies. Where would I shop? Well, now you shop <laughs> on, on Amazon or you yeah. shop on Wayfair. You, you can live anywhere and get whatever you want. So that takes care of that. So if you move to a rural area, the first thing you need to do is, is go to one of those rural churches and just love those people. Yeah. Treat them like your grandparents. Listen to their stories hmm. for a while. Don't go in there right now and, and you know, I'm I, hey, I'm from the city. Let me tell you. Just go say, tell me the story of this place. Tell wow. me the history of this place. Tell me about who used to live in these farms. Tell me about your parents and growing up here. Spend, the older people love to tell you their stories, yeah. right? So if you listen to their stories, you not only learn about them, but they'll begin to value you. And eventually then as you help them interpret the culture and what's going on, you'll have a lot more credibility with them. So I'd say the first year or two, just listen and yeah. and, and say, you know, even the things they do that maybe you you wouldn't do, just explain to them you find value in that maybe their music service is really old school you know (laughs) but rather than wish it would change say you know i i really enjoy seeing how you do this how you worship the lord that that's really unique to me it's different to me i can tell it means a lot to you i love that spend some time doing that and eventually they'll get to the place if they treat you like their grandchildren they'll let you do anything yeah Yeah. my grandkids can do anything in my house and it's okay with me because i love them so but you got to spend some time getting to know them that way you know i remember whenever i was working uh, i i served as a a associate pastor in kansas city for a while and and we were at a a church that was probably around 150 to, to 200 at the time and very close to midwestern seminary and there, there were some of the churches where a lot of seminary students were going, and I was like, if I could just get two of you, it would, <laughs> it would drastically change so much of what I could yes. do. And I think there's so yes. many pastors that it's like, if I could have two young adults, I know. two college students to come right. in. So even if people are moving to rural areas, even if these rural areas are around like a Little Rock or a Northwest Arkansas, some of them may still drive to a bigger yeah. church or something like that. How, if they considered joining a, a normative-sized church, mm-hmm. how could, like, sell that to them? Why, why should Look, they consider that? How might it, it help I the I couldn't church? agree with you more. Let's say there's a little declining church with, uh, you know, 40, 50 older adults, no young people, pastors really struggling, and, and you're a college student or right out of college, and you're going to what? I'm going to join that church. First of all, you will make that pastor's day. Absolutely. I mean, he will just, he will, you will just, the, the, whereas if you join a church full of other young people, They'll be glad you're there, but you're just one of many. Let's be honest. I don't mean it. That yeah. sounded really bad. But, yeah, first of all, you'll encourage him. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to be said about encouraging the anointed one of the Lord, the wow. other shepherd. He really, really needs that yeah. encouragement. Yeah. And don't you're not going to change the church. You're going there to love that church yeah. and yep. care for that church. And there may you'll find some things you can do over time that will be very helpful to them. And especially, as you said, if you could get two or three other young people to come there. I've seen that begin to really—they begin to say, hey, wait, young people are coming here. Maybe there is a future here. Maybe we do need to make some changes. If hmm. there are no young people coming, why do I need to make any changes? Well, we're, we're dying anyway. 
But now we've got some young people here, and they seem to like what we're doing. Maybe God has a future here. Listen, there is a ministry of just showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're talking about a dying church like that, you say, you know what, I'm just going to show up, and I'm going to be a tender, yeah. and I'm going to be a giver, and I'm going to do what I can do, yeah. and my very presence may very well change the whole attitude of this congregation. Wow. wow. We've been talking about rural churches. We've been talking about normative churches, bigger churches, but I imagine there's some some students, young adults listening to this podcast that, that they just need to understand that they need to go to church to begin with. Absolutely. And so talk to the person, maybe last question. Why should the young adult, the young person listening to this podcast, listen, they've got classes, they're working, they're doing all this stuff, their free time's limited. Why, why is being a part of a local church beneficial for them? You have two families on this earth, right? You have your biological, if you're a believer in Christ and regenerate, you have two families. You have a biological family right. that you didn't choose. And some of you, I mean, for whatever reason, we'll know in heaven, God blessed you with an amazing biological family, right? Yeah. You've just got a great mom, a great dad, great siblings. Others of you, the biological family, it's, it's sort of a neutral thing. And then there's a lot of you that are listening. The biological family is a real struggle. Yeah. It's, it's just been a heartache and a difficulty in your life. But here's what God did. He created another family. It's called the local church. Mm-hmm. That's why in old school, we called each other brother and sister. It was, it was a term of, you really are my brother. You really are my sister. And if you look in the New Testament, one thing we know about the New Testament church, it was multi-generational, mm-hmm. all right? We're missing something in the church in North America yeah. by not being multi-generational. Yeah. Um, we talk about 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, the most, the most uh, segregated hour in North America. It's also the most... Uh, uh, generationally yeah. segregated hour in North America. Yeah. I can take you to a lot of church plants and new churches that don't have... They never wake up and say, how do we reach 90-year-old widows in our neighborhood? Mm-hmm. It's just not what they're thinking. I can take you to a lot of dying churches that think, well, we just can't reach young people. Yeah. So wow. we, we tend to do that. But when we when we have this wonderful intergenerational family in a church, we, we have grandparents. And you need grandparents in your life, right? You may have great-grandparents, but, but you need other grandparents. And these yeah. grandparents need grandchildren in their life. We need each other. And you'll find incredible—look, you may lose some of the worship experience that you would like to have. You may lose some of the the relationships with kids your age. But you'll gain so much from being with older Christians and learning from Mm -hmm. them and and encouraging them. Mm. Look, a 22-year-old just listening to an 80-year-old widow talk about her family, you can can change her whole view of life over in a short period of time just by being there. So— don't lose sight of, of making a commitment to be in church, to find benefit in that second family that God gives us, yeah. and, and you'll find it maybe an intergenerational is so important. It's so rich. Um, a friend of mine named um, in, in Inglewood, Colorado, Mark Halleck, he works really hard at intergenerational discipleship groups. Mm-hmm. So he, has, he works very intentionally in his church uh, of putting together uh, intergenerational discipleship group. And I saw this firsthand when I was there. So you'll have, and it's not easy at first, and he kind of has to really lean into it and really encourage him to do it, but you'll have a, a 17, 18-year-old high school girl, a 25- or 30-year-old young married mother, and an 82-year-old grandmother, and they meet every week wow. for discipleship. And you go, that's not possible. You're right. Outside of the gospel, it's not. Yeah. Hmm. But when I was, when you when you're there and you see that 17, 18-year-old girl walk into the sanctuary with all of her friends, and she intentionally leaves her friends and goes and sits by that 82-year-old widow Mm. who's in her discipleship group, you know that's not something the world can do. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you what, you wouldn't replace that for anything in the world. So it's hard at first. Look, 
if you're a young person and you go to an old church, I want you to lean into the uncomfortable for a while. Wow. And you'll find, if after leaning into what's uncomfortable, you'll find it to be a very wonderful place. Man, what a good word. Well, there's obviously a great need to revitalize, replant. Uh, there's a great need for the gospel in these rural areas. There's a small sliver of this podcast who are folks who say, I'm called to ministry, yeah. looking ahead to the future, uh, just dreaming about what God could do with my life. How do they go about even considering thinking, man, maybe maybe rural area revitalization, replanting is is my future? What, what steps do they need to take in college, young adult years to prepare for that? That's a really good question. There's all kinds of, of uh, all kinds of agricultural radio, agricultural podcasts. Yeah. Listen to all the agricultural podcasts. You can listen to agricultural radio. Learn everything you can about rural America. There's a lot out there right now. Mm-hmm. Just a, just a, uh, immerse yourself in trying to learn everything you can about rural America and what's going on in rural America and see if that's where God calls you. It is a, a tremendous mission field. By the way, I want to make this really clear. This is really important. If you're outside of the Deep South, and I realize we are in the Deep South, but if you're outside of the Deep South and you live in rural America, rural America outside of the Deep South is as unchurched as our urban core of Boston and Chicago and Los Angeles. I'm telling you, once you move out of the Deep South, if you're in Dakotas or Montana or if you're in uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota or Oregon or Washington and you're in a rural area, it is as unchurched as Boston or Chicago or Los Angeles, guys, is a huge mission field, wow. and it's an awesome way you can—the cost of living is less. Again, you can work from home. Be thinking of way—and they will they deeply, deeply need pastors in places like that. And our team at the North American Mission Board, we have ways we can assess you, ways we can help yep. you. Mm-hmm. You can check us out at churchreplanters.com. And we can give you all kinds of tools to help you learn how to do that. We also got lots of books you can read, lots of podcasts. I do a podcast called Revitalize and Replant. It's great. And you can listen to that. There's a whole network you can get into to help prepare you uh, to plaster or to revitalize a rural church. And if you don't follow Mark on X, do it. Mark Clifton, <laughs> uh, right there on what used to be Twitter. Has, is it's it good stuff. officially become X now? Uh, that's has, what I call has it. Has X think, happened? I think it is. Okay. I think so. Yeah, it's yeah, happened. Go, go all in. That's so. right. Mark, how can people find you? Do you have a, a name on, on X? John Mark Instagram? Clifton at X. John Mark Clifton yeah, at X. So you can find me well, there. Thank you so much. This yep. has been so helpful for us, so helpful for our listeners. Don't forget, Lead Defend is always around the corner. Check us out at leaddefend.com, and we hope to see you there. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.